Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field in the classroom each week. Each episode of this podcast can get you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com. So head over there for more information. I'm your host, Steve Williams, and with me today, as always, co-host Dan and Holly. Guys, say hi. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good morning. Good Good morning. It's really early. It's really early. (laughs) This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not our normal. We're usually we slide into these things late morning. Late morning, yeah. At we least ru- two coffees in. Yeah. Right. So far, I've got take a coffee three break. Quarters of lunch. a coffee. Yeah. A lot of chit chat. We did no chit chat today. Just no, this is all business. Right to work. Yeah. Because the reason we're all business is because we're bringing back our favorite guest so far. Yes, Dr. Tillman. Yes. Yeah. I have some. She's got some work to do. We, she's <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know it, but she's on the clock today because um, <laughs> I am. Up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, okay. You know what? Right. Our Good intervention must have worked that we did oh. several oh. weeks ago. Remember? I mean, he's admitted it now. Yeah. So that's, that's the first step. Yeah, we're we're there. <laughs> awesome. Um, but in all seriousness, we're going to talk to her about managing just all this stuff that's going on and how do we do that given the work that we have, right? Right. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Um, should we get her on the phone? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is the awkward part. Yep. Maybe she doesn't want. Good. Good morning, you guys. Hey. Good morning, Doctor Tillman. How are you doing? Good morning, Brenda. I am absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody doing there? Well, if you want an honest answer, we're tired. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I I have to say that Brenda was texting me last night at midnight her time, so we cannot complain. She was up late. I'm sorry. Yeah, Daniel. Sorry. <laughs> I am. I'm telling you what, I am one of those people and I, I just love the fact that I don't need a lot of sleep, but I need good sleep. And so I use the, I use the Delta Wave music at night and I wake up and I feel like a million bucks. It's incredible. Wait, so, what, what kind of music do you use? It's Delta Wave. You know, our brains, um, when we go into deep sleep, they operate at a certain wavelength uh-huh. and it's between 530 and 585 hertz. And so that this this music, I'll send it to you guys because. Oh, do. And but you absolutely have to get used to it because it's one of those weird things that it you'll notice it at first, and now I notice it when it's not on. So, oh, but the difference, I wake up and and if it's shut off in the middle of the night because I put it on my phone, if it shuts off, it's nine hours of delta wave. And, uh, and I'll wake up and I'll just hit the thing to turn it back on and then I'll ride back to sleep again. It's, it's, um, it's, I, for me, it has been life altering. I wake up in the morning and I don't feel groggy. I feel like I've gotten, and that's even with five and six hours a night. So wow, it's, gosh. it's pretty, pretty incredible, at least for me. And I, and I have to tell you, you have to get used to it. You have to use it and then you'll start to see kind of a change in. Okay, I feel like I'm getting at those four cycles that I need to get because that deep sleep is sometimes very hard. And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people will use alcohol and, I mean, just to pass out and be done right. and get into that, you know. But you bypass everything else if you do that. So wow. really, really important. Yeah, you bypass awesome. REM sleep with, with any any type of depression in your system. So, uh, right. and then you pass out and, yeah. Wow, we're I like, feel like your work two is minutes done here. into the podcast, and I've already learned something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll see you next I week. I know yeah. it. I know it. This is, is really good stuff, for me at least. And I, I would love to get a group of about 16 people together and, and do a study, you know? Me. What, how, yeah. how does it change people? What is it, you know? And does it? I mean, that would be a wonderful thing. I don't know whether it's just me. I've given it to others, and they say, no, I can't sleep with it. But it is because you have to get used to it, you mm. know? But it's supposed to create melatonin and keep you in deep sleep for a longer period of time and give you that complete, full feeling of relaxation. And, man, it does that 100% for me. Wow. I am totally in. That's a great segue into our podcast. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, I'll try that. Well, Brenda, we invited you on today to, to talk about how do we deal with this shit, basically, is um, life is tough state. right now. We've got COVID. Yeah. Um, the entire Pacific Northwest has been on fire. Yeah. Um, it is a really tough time. There are hurricanes and other places, flooding. You know, it's, it's got politics. It's mm-hmm. an election year. Yeah. Yeah. Social and COVID associated yeah. with it. Yeah. I mean, on top of it, isolation and yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, yeah. you know, add our jobs in on top of that, right? And then, right. and then add what you do every single day. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So where guys, do we start? Just, I, so we start yeah. by sleeping well, I guess, probably. Yeah, that would be good. Sleeping, That's a great way to start. Yeah. sleeping well is probably, it's the only regenerative process that we have. Yet, I, you know, I mean, it's supposedly 70%, 75% of our population has sleeping problems. I would venture to say that it's significantly higher than that. And, uh, and so just the ability to give people resources on how do I, you know, how do I, how do I get a good night's sleep? How do I ensure that when I go to sleep, I can somewhat stay asleep? Uh, it's certainly something to look into. And what we talked about initially is, is one great resource. We need to look at others. And of course, the, the concept is called sleep hygiene. And a lot of people don't know that they can go online and look up all kinds of things associated with how do I get that good night's sleep? What do I need to do to myself to prepare myself? We are habitual people. And so if we can get ourselves in a habit where we don't activate that um, that uh, system that gets us active as we lay down at night, we turn on the television and oftentimes what happens is we just activate everything. We read our phone, we activate everything. The mm-hmm. adrenaline starts, then the cortisol starts because a lot of it's about politics and uh, so we've got to let that stuff go. We've got to give ourselves uh, an opportunity to have a nice warm bath or a shower before we go to bed or uh, whatever system we use to get into that and then uh, go to bed and do what works for us without any depressant in our systems, without any or at least a moderate amount, um, and just ensure that we give ourselves the best opportunity to get the rest and relaxation and re- regeneration that we need because sleep in the REM cycle of sleep is where we throw stuff out that we don't need. And if we bypass that with any excessive amount of, of, you know, sleep aid or alcohol or anything associated like that, what we do is uh, we, we go right to deep sleep in terms of just kind of a, uh, not a restful deep sleep, but we bypass everything that's good for us. So we got to watch that. That's called sleep hygiene. It's a great way to determine what do I need to do for me to get to a point where I can have that good regenerative cycle of sleep every night. Wow. That's awesome. So do you feel that the, the Delta Wave, uh, you said music, right? Delta Wave music? Is... Yeah, it's, a, it's like a meditation. It's not, I mean, there's no melody to it. Right. It's tones and it's. But it's like a meditative, uh, um, just a, a mantra type thing that you listen to throughout the night. It's tones and, and those types of things. So just take me through this real quick. So if I lay down into bed and yeah. generally I'll get on the phone and I will, I don't want to look at <laughs> politics because it just, it pisses me off. Right. So yeah. I want to look at all that, that news, but I will look at stuff that's funny or something like that just to try to get my mind off everything else that's happened during the day. And then I try to go to sleep and I got a thousand things going through my mind. You better believe it. I'm just going to ask, will that Delta wave music help me with that? Yes, it will help you with that. As a matter of fact, I try to turn on my television at night because I'm a, I'm one of those, give me a movie that I know the outcome's going to be. So, you know, whatever it is, some good movie that just gives you that good warm feeling of Christmas or whatever. Uh, but I can't even make it now with my system getting into this process. I can't even make it through five minutes of a movie before I'm closing my eyes and I wake up to the noise of the movie and then I turn it off. Um, but the problem with all that is that if, if we've got a lot of ruminating stuff and with everything that is going on right now, we have a lot of ruminating stuff, stuff that just kind of circles circles in that in that portion of the brain that is kind of the fight or flight, the cognitive portion. I know the cognitive side. It just continues to circle until we have that opportunity to download it. We provide that resource to say, this is what you do with this information. So anytime you put on anything, Steve, like, um, you know, a movie or something funny, it still activates the system. You know, the adrenaline gets going, the pleasure center of the brain activates. And then what you've got to do is give yourself the opportunity to relax and, and, and roll back from that. And then all of a sudden what starts rolling in is, are all the other things that are still ruminating, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so what we've really got to do with that is start the cognitive thought stopping of, nope, not going there, not going there. And give your, again, get into that sleep hygiene cycle of what works for me. For me, it's, uh, it's, you know, a, a warm bath or a shower or something uh, related to that, maybe a hot tub at night or something, and then going in and just uh, keeping the light low, keeping the phone off, keeping the TV off. And then I use Delta music, Delta, the Delta tones. And, uh, and that certainly has helped me. But there are other regenerative tones that can be used, too, at different perks. And so I, I'm certainly not an expert on it, on any of that, but I will tell you that it has significantly made a difference in my sleep pattern. But turning on that funny stuff, it still activates the adrenaline system because remember that neurological network up there connects to everything, whether it's good or bad. So when you start looking at things that are funny and when you start engaging in the blue light and the blue light in the phone that activates things and all of a sudden now what you've got is a reactivated system and prepared to to react. And what you want to do is is just download the system from chaos to calm and let yourself get that that good night's sleep if possible. Do you have any strategies on I mean a lot of your audience for this podcast are people that get up multiple times a night going on yeah going on calls. So right. what do you have a strategy for that? Yeah, and, and and that's because they're on shift, right? Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and and this is <laughs> so. This is the biggest challenge, I think. It's like it's like it's like um, shift work, and it's like all of these different. Your system doesn't have a chance to create a circadian, or at least adhere to a circadian rhythm, right? And so you absolutely are going to um, be in in half sleep mode all the time because you're waiting for those sounds to go off. You're waiting for the bells to go off and uh, you're waiting for that call to happen so you can jump into whatever you need to do quickly. The problem is we're not re-engaging the parasympathetic nervous system, um, the human side of the brain, after you get off shift. So the, the issue associated with, with going to sleep and, and being awakened uh, regularly on a shift, um, that's, that's just, it is going to be one of those things that, that's going to have to happen. But after your shift, those three days, those two days that you're off, what needs to happen are the tools to re-engage that side of the brain that says, okay, now I've got the time to, uh, to have that normal um, that normal system in the brain, that normal sleep system. And we do that through, through habits, exactly what I was just talking about, the element of, you know, um, magnesium baths and, uh, you know, um, and, and literally getting to sleep before you get so tired that the brain starts ruminating and, and setting up a sleep aura for yourself that's going to create melatonin at night. And, I, you know, I didn't talk about that with the other question that you asked, but melatonin is created. It doesn't make us go to sleep, but it gives us the capacity to go to sleep. But it's not created if we if we give it um, other things that activate the pleasure centers of the brain. So what we've got to do now is to, to back off those things and give ourselves that sleepy aura of just laying down and it being dark and comfortable. And so... As you as you ask that question, or it, it, it is literally recognizing that even though I'm awakened when I'm on shift, that that's going to happen because you you have to do that. Then coming back and trying to create that sleepy aura for yourself, that environment where you can go to sleep is important. But what's really more important is allowing that circadian rhythm to take over on the days that you're off. So you're getting the regenerative sleep. You're getting the, the rim, the cleansing of that plate or that prefrontal cortex of things that are not important uh, when you're off, when you're on your off days. And so therefore, when you go back on, it gives you the ability to say, okay, I know I'm going to be in half sleep today because I'm always waiting for those tones. But when I get back to, uh, to, to normalcy, to home where I can sleep in my own bed and um, then I need to create an environment where my circadian rhythm can work for me. It is a, I want to tell you, it's a really, really tough one because um, individuals who, you know, we've, we've looked at FedEx and, you know, 
individuals who work on night shifts and they kind of become that a lot of them refer to it as, you know, mole. Literally, I'm a mole. I'm underground during the day just trying to get some sleep. And then at night I'm working all night and, and the body and the brain is just kind of, what do I do with all this? It is, it is really tough. Uh, but if you will re-engage those things that make you sleepy at night, that create that sleepy aura, and again, you can find a lot of stuff associated. There are so many sleep studies, and under the concept of sleep hygiene, this is a huge thing in people being able to handle what they're going through in today's environment. We all need, the only regenerative process we have is sleep. It's when our brain gets completely reconfigured and if we don't allow it to do that, then we bring yesterday into today and then into tomorrow. And, man, that's a lot to carry. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <clears throat> Brenda, I was thinking, uh, I was just looking up some of that sleep hygiene stuff while you were talking. I will include mm-hmm. some of the stuff I found in the show notes. That I didn't even know. The CDC has an entire section of their website devoted to sleep hygiene. So yes, they do. Yes. I had not even yes. heard of it before. Yeah, I never heard that term. That's awesome. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, we do a lot of work with, with individuals who do shift work and night work. And, and I'm going to tell you, if if you don't understand what the brain is trying to go through in those sleep cycles and what it's and, – and we are doing everything to not promote that for the most of us. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say, I just can't sleep, it all ruminates, it's all just horrible. Um, we need more education on that. And we need more people, you know, talking about – you know, I get, I mean, if I can laugh at night, I love that. That's why I put on old reruns of things that are just enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. But when you do that right before you go to bed, it activates the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so that portion, I think, I'm glad to hear that, that those are resources that can definitely help. Oh, Steve, he's so smart. <laughs> so I got a question for you. This is Dan. Uh, oh, hey, if, Dan. How... You didn't uh, get very much sleep last I night, did you? Sleep <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> me. Can no, I no, no. do I, I worked first days last night. So, uh, oh, okay. Okay. So, I, you say you watch these, you know, the funny shows and such. And, and I just came, uh, had an experience with this a couple days ago, not a couple of weeks ago when I went to a movie with my boy. And yeah. I was watching the previews and it's in, in the theater. We had our N95s on. There was two other people in there. And so we're already in this heightened state of, this is our new norm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an end of the world trailer. Oh no. You know, oh my and, gosh. You know, and I am, I mean, we've talked about this. You're before. like, I don't need a trailer. I'm I, watching it. Right. Yeah. I don't need I'm it. living and, it. I'm living uh, it right now. Yeah. With 30 yeah. seconds, I had tears coming down my, coming down my cheeks. And yeah. it's like, what the f- is going on? And I said then, I am not, well, I'm not watching these shows anymore. I this is not the, yeah. the time to be watching yeah. these shows. And yeah. so, well, Dan, you just came off of working how many days in a row and you guys were out on the wildfires and then you're working at your station and you're working at right. the helicopter company and all that. Kind of oh stuff. my goodness. I know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, and I'm sure there's people out there with worse stories than that, but you know, we're, we, we don't need to bring stuff into our world that we don't need to that are, that have a negative effect. And, and so, yeah, I, the next, I think it was the next two days after that, I said nothing but comedies on, you know, because we, we can't go outside because right. of the smoke. And so we, we watched, right. we watched comedies and it was Good much grief. better. Yeah. Yeah. Much better. Yes. So Dan, uh, first of all, I, I just can't even, I can't even, what you guys are doing out there for the wildfires and, and that's, I just have to tell you, um, amazing for for everyone that you're helping and I and, and our our thanks as a as a nation and as a community goes out to you. But I want to tell you, um, we have to remember and I love the fact that you were able to recognize that, okay, um, this really activated something. You know, when the tears start, when all of a sudden you see that and the tears start, it's that it's that it's that boiling over point. It's that compartment over here that you've just stuffed so full of stuff, experiences, the wildfires, daily work, you know, um, just the love and compassion of your son. And uh, all of this is over here. And now it just opens up every once in a while and, and releases that. And that's not a bad thing. And I, when we think about why am I crying? What's up? You know, what's going on with this? The ability to just say, you know, that right there 
is a human reaction to what we're experiencing right now. And, and I hope that all of us get that opportunity every once in a while to be human and just say, God, this is how much, you know, what's going on? You know, this is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you, you hope it's not connected to all of the neural network of negative experiences that we've had. Um, but sometimes it is. And that's kind of what happened with you in the, in the start of this movie where you're watching this trailer. And it's like, holy crap, all of this stuff has just connected to other things. And now all of a sudden my reaction is human. And so we got to remember that. And, and, and as first responders and as a type A personalities, we don't like that. We don't like that need to have a human response. Oh, no, not but at all. It, no. I can handle this. I know. I God it. forbid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got it. But the key is it reminds us that we're human. And I think a lot of times we get that wall up so high, that protective wall of, you know, I, I got this. I don't, I don't need any. This is. And that's your one opportunity. It's your opportunity for your son to see that you're human. It's your opportunity to say, okay, I'm kind of on overload right here. What do I need to adjust? What do I need to tweak in my life right now to make sure? And one of those tweaking things is um, is changing your, your movie choices. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Changing your movie, movie choices from things that activate the negative responses our neural network to things that activate the positive neural network. Because just as, you know, you, you think about, you know, your your grandparents cooking a meal, but the minute you walk into the room, it takes you right back to, to those days. Or, or it, all the positive things are activated just as easily as the negative, negative things are. So we have to look for those types of things. So those funny movies, if you're going to watch them, if you're looking for movies, and of course, because everybody's inside now, you know, we tell everybody go outside, touch, right. get get connected to to nature, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's a wonderful thing to do in this COVID environment. Now we now you can't even do that, right? Right, right, exactly. So, exactly. so we've got to make sure that what we're activating are the positive elements of that, and then we've got to go back and look at what am I carrying that I'm not getting rid of? What is still on that plate? When we talk about positive on the backside. You guys, if you've got a good way to work off that trauma, in other words, if, if you were to walk into a therapist's office and a therapist said to you, so, God, that was a, just a sucky call for you, wasn't it? What did you do with it afterwards? And if you can't tell them what you did with it, you can't tell him or her exactly what you did with that. In other words, yeah, I sat down, I sat down with, uh, with another firefighter who had gone through, or another firefighter who had gone through that, and we, we just kind of walk through those five senses. What sticks with you? What is the worst thing about this for you? Um, if you can't explain what you did with it, then the chances of it being stuffed down in that compartment with the rest of it are probably pretty good. Absolutely. And so the, op- the opportunity to say, this is what I did with it. I sat down with another firefighter. And the importance of this is, and we've always done this with critical incident teams, but we literally are on the backside of it. I mean, if we wait for big events to happen, and then what we do is swoop in and provide support and education for individuals who've experienced that. Now, what we're trying to do is move the move to the you know to the to the backside to the front side of this, and say, you know, we don't need to be so reactive. We all need to take responsibility of knowing when this has kind of been a big one for us and knowing how to work it off that plate. Uh, because if we don't, we carry it. And so now the, now in, in addition to the critical incident, the system stuff that everybody does and the other, uh, type critical responses. Now what we're, what we're teaching and training is actually get on the front side of this and recognize it in yourself. Because if you can do it and you can sit down and start working those five senses, you know, what did you smell when you walked in that room? Then the chances of those activating when you do go to that movie because they're fun to watch are significantly less. So what you're saying right? is you're training everyone, you're empowering everyone to care for themselves instead of waiting for that critical instant stress team to come in and, and prod you and ask you questions. We are, Holly, but even more than that, it is, we are training everybody in the peer process, 
We're training every individual in organizations that we're working with in the peer process. Now their job is to recognize it. And even the ones that say, I don't want to be on a peer team, we're not asking you to be on a peer team. What we're asking you to do is be a peer, right? Mm -hmm. And I I wish there was a better word for that. I bet, you know, uh, I wish there was a better way to say that. People always associate that with, okay, I'm going to be on a peer team. And not everybody likes the people on a peer team. Not everybody wants to talk to the people on a Mm -hmm. peer team. Um, And so if each of us recognizes what is the peer process? Why do we do it? What is the science of that? What changes does it make in the brain? Then what it does is it gives us the ability to say, okay, now you get the opportunity to recognize it, not only in yourself, but in someone else. And so when you two can sit down just on the back of a, of a fire truck or a, a police car or on the curb and say, or at the kitchen table, and say, okay, walk me through it. What was the hardest thing about that? And, you know, there might not be anything. I mean, literally, you might say, you know, that just wasn't a big one. But I tell you what, it did take me back to this one, right? And we're not asking people to be therapists. We're not, excuse me, we're not asking people to, to delve into anything. We're working current events. And then if we're seeing there's a, there's a, there's kind of a, a, a many events that are that are kind of leading to the challenge of whatever it might be, sleeping, emotional connection, um, isolating, you know, whatever it might be, then it's time to maybe reach out to somebody who's got training in trauma, a therapist or or some a professional on the other side that can say, okay, let's work this stuff off the plate. There's a lot of this stuff going on. But if we can get you guys to recognize that by peering, purposefully peering, uh, at the time of the event, in the acute phase of what's going on, then the opportunity for that not to be connected every time we think about an event that might might have any close relation um, is significantly improved because we worked that one off that plate. Now, you guys, we're we're only getting to you guys now. We should have started this when you were rookies. We should have should have started mm-hmm. this when when we were junior high students. You know, with for with sure. bullying and you know. But we don't. So now what we've got to do is go back and pick up all that stuff associated with, okay, what do I need to get rid of so I can have that clean plate when I bring it to the table? And that might mean therapy if there's a lot on that plate. Or if you're the one who's got a great process and you, and it is literally, you've got, you know exactly what you do with stuff and you go forward, men, Explain that to your fellow first responders and let them know, you know, I, I know exactly what I do with stuff after it happens because this is what works for me. My wife and I talk about it all the time. You know, the guys at the station, we sit down afterwards and we talk about, and it, the, when I talk about purposeful peering, it is that element literally of um, talking about the five senses because just asking somebody, are you okay? Mm-hmm. It's real easy to say, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah. And after the fifth, yeah, you probably know that's probably not the case. <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So, um, but we don't go any further than that. We literally just will stop with that and say, okay, well, I just wanted to check on you. But that really doesn't do a lot. I mean, it makes somebody feel, you know, like you're a good friend, but it's not purposeful. It doesn't help yeah. them start the processing of that trauma. Mm-hmm. Well, what about, so... That's for the acute injury. What about the chronic stuff like that's going on right now? Will the peer stuff work for that as well? Yes, and I love that you recognize the differentiation between those two. Because the chronic stuff, and, and you, you mentioned every bit of that. Who was that, Dan? Or uh, yeah, Dan? That, was, that, was that was Dan. Dan, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. That was Dan, yeah. <laughs> Dan, I'm telling you what, it is, it is literally, I mean, we didn't have COVID. We didn't have smoke. We didn't have... All of these other things, every restaurant, our favorite restaurants, our places that we go, our safe places that we go, calm places, they're all closed. And and many of them are starting to open up. But, you know, they're talking now that 60% of the businesses that closed for COVID will not open up again, you know, ever. And right. so all of life is just kind of adjusting and changing. And then you add to that. The, the eight dimensions of wellness and see, this is another thing that would be great to get on your, on the notes portion of this, mm-hmm. because if everybody will look at the eight dimensions of wellness in life, 
these are the areas that if you've got a plan for these areas in, in terms of re- resiliency, then the chances of you being that resilient person you need to be, especially in your career field, will be wonderful. But we've got a lot of information that we can share related to that. But just looking at those and saying, okay, how are my finances going? How are my, how's the education? The kids, my goodness, are they mm-hmm. back in school and are they all the nope. things associated with that? Yeah. Chronic. Yeah, I know. It's I know. Been, it's, oh, yeah. The kids thing is it just is a whole other episode, another issue. It absolutely is. And what are we seeing in that? The uptick in abuse, uh, you know, Abusive situations, children is, we talked to some of the, uh, some of the staff members there and it's just, we're, we're seeing things tick up versus things tick down. And of course that's related to the chronic stress. These are not, these are not major, major events, major trauma that you can, that you can target. These are a feeling of unwellness, right? These are an under, underlying feeling of not, something's not right. Everything's not right. I can't make things right. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, the ability for people to walk through these types of things with chronic stress as well, finances, and being able to talk to, look for resources associated, like sleep. Sleep is probably our number one challenge because it's the only regenerative process we have. Yet very few people, and you guys are well-informed, very few people know about sleep hygiene and all the resources that are available out there. So how, how, how good of a job are we doing at getting the word out to people that, yes, this will, these things, there are resources for all of these. Don't just sit and think we don't have anything. We do. There are resources out there, and they've been well-researched and grounded in theory and and practice because they've used these resources with individuals and and they've got results from that. If that doesn't work, don't stop there. Go look for something else. You know, call and see. You know, what other resources might you have? Because this isn't working for me. Um. So yes, Dan, to to go back to your chronic stress versus critical stress. Um, for you guys, the chronic stress is usually where we see um, the compassion fatigue. Right. You will always step up to a critical stress. You will always step up. You will get in there. You will fight the battle. You will you will do what you have to do for the critical stresses, because that's kind of the job title. Right. That's what you do. The chronic stress, those day to day things. We watch people just numb out to those on a on a daily basis if they're not doing anything to take care of themselves. So the question is still, do I need to tweak my workout? Am I not getting a workout? I've talked to so many people who have given up going to church because um, because they want to sleep in on Sunday morning. Yet that was their regenerative process, right? Getting some sort of message that gave mm-hmm. them the ability to say, okay, I find strength in this, the underlying strength. And those resources of talking to people there, uh, about what's going on in life and hearing that the universality of all of this, we're all experiencing it. We're in this together and we can do it, you know? Um, so it, as you look at those, those characteristics of wellness, it, it is that element of, yeah, plan that. What am I doing for that? I'm working out. Uh, we're now finding for chronic stress that gratitude and, and this is, Sometimes, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it when you look at all the stuff going on right now. Uh, but gratitude and service to others yep. is absolutely huge for reengaging mm-hmm. the human side of the brain when you're in hyperstartle, right? Yeah. And absolutely. so as we get, go ahead. No, no, I'm just agreeing with you because I've read some stuff about this, but keep going. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Gratitude, um, in terms of, finding things to be thankful for. And, and if you have to start your day and end your day with it, and there's no time in between there, then that's, that's, that's good enough. Start there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then find ways during the day to, to look for things that you're thankful for. And whether it's a good sunrise, uh, whether it's with all the smoke in the air, maybe that beautiful color that comes from, from uh, or, or whatever it might be. Um, find a way to be thankful, you know, so thankful for the time to spend with the family this morning, or I was so thankful for the call that my friend made to me this morning, or whatever it might be. But start your day and end your day with gratitude, because what it does 
is it reengages that human side, that prefrontal cortex, that human side of the brain that is diminished due to all the chronic and critical stress that you experience. Mm-hmm. I love that. So wow. yeah, that is a huge rate. The, uh, yeah, the stuff that um, I've read, I, I've, I've practiced this whole idea of gratitude a few times and I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not very, you know, regular with it. When, when I've had to, or when I've like forced myself to do it, even when I really don't want to, it truly kicks your brain out of whatever negative cycle you're in, even if you're faking yeah. it. Like, mm-hmm. it does. just find five you're things at- to say you're thankful for and focus yeah. on them for just a few seconds apiece. And, and it, it truly changes works. the whole trajectory. Yeah. It, it truly, truly does. And you think about it, guys, when you're in a when you're in a response situation at a house where uh, a fire has taken place, and you've got a kid sitting out on the on the front. Uh, somewhere out in the yard and all of a sudden you go over and just sit down next to that child and, and just talk for a few minutes. All of a sudden the portion that is re-engaging in the brain, it's just something you don't even think about. This is what we call the science of trauma because you have the ability to re-engage that portion of the brain. The hyperstartle, the fight or flight is what we naturally go to, right? That amygdala that says, oh my gosh, if this is bad, um, I'm going to be ready for it. And not only am I going to be ready, but I'm going to incorporate all of the other experiences that I have so that I can get there faster, so that I can be ready to respond to a bad event. Okay, mm-hmm. You're, That portion of your brain is just established to save you, to get you through things. And the other portion of the brain, you've got to work to re-engage. And if that automatically happens for you because you get the, the opportunity all the time for service, it, then it just naturally takes place. But for most of you, you respond to things that end in a negative way. I mean, it's, it's somebody's worst day, right? It's, it's right. A, a family's worst nightmare for their home to burn down or for them to be in an ambulance. Or, um, I mean, the saving that individual is a, is a life. Um, but the opportunity to provide service, to sit down with that child, to uh, just walk through it and say, boy, this seems pretty tough right now, doesn't it? But, you know, and walk through, um, it absolutely changes everything that is going on in the brain. And I love to hear you say that, Steve, because it honestly does. And it doesn't take any time at all. But then you look at the chronic element of that and going home, and I mentioned compassion fatigue. So we often, we so often do everything we need to do at work and promote you know, you know, everything we need to promote for other people. But by the time we get home, we've got nothing left to do. And so what we've got to do is recognize that um, we're still in hyperstartle. We're still in that portion of the brain that says, uh, you know, survival is the most important. And the way to re-engage is through, you know, um, uh, diaphragmatic breathing, uh, bringing oxygen back to the brain because we shallow breathe when we're when we're stressed. Uh, and that, and whether you call it tactical breathing or that, you know, breathe in for four slowly through your nose, hold it and let the diaphragm expand and then blow out through your mouth for four slowly and then do that as a cycle of four. Um, people who tactical, you know, any type of tactical SWAT teams or SEAL teams, they'll get to the point where that breathing is eight. You know, they'll breathe in for eight and they'll literally hold it for eight seconds and then they'll slowly breathe out. And all of a sudden, the focus comes back in the narrowing. And then you can start saying, okay, what do I need to do now to re-engage that portion of the brain so I don't live at home in the hyperstartle? And some people can do that just by seeing their kids. They don't realize that's taken place. Um, however, uh, for the most part, it's getting home and recognizing how frustrating the noise is and the lack of whatever it might be, whether it's organization or whether it's people caring or whatever it is, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm past the compassion part. I've got nothing left for this. And so that's why relationships fail because we don't re-engage that human side of the brain before we start re-engaging in our human lives, right? Brenda, I like what you said about when we get into that fight or flight response, we take all of the negative responses that we have stored up to bring yeah. us to that space where we're, uh, we know that we're in trouble. Um, I was driving with my daughter the other day and she goes, you know, mom, everybody says 2020 sucks, but I've had a pretty good summer. 
And I was wow. like, wow, where was I? This yeah. has been the worst summer of my exactly. life. And I was like, oh, uh, well, what did you like about it? And she's like, oh, well, we went paddle boarding and I got to um, do horseback riding almost every day. I and love blah, blah, blah. That. And she was just going through. And I think she almost felt guilty that she had such a good summer because everyone yeah. around her is saying right. how bad everything sucks. Mm-hmm. And I just love that kids don't have all this negative stuff that they've packed away in the closet like we do, like we carry yeah, right. around. Yeah. And it, it, it was just really refreshing to hear her say that in the middle of this crazy time, she had a pretty good summer. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it, isn't that absolutely, that is just the, the quintessential answer to what we're talking about because you're right. She doesn't have that plethora of coping capacity necessity to say, how do I carry all this stuff? She doesn't have that. But we will convince them, if we keep it up, that it has been a sucky year. We will convince them of that, exactly. right? Because right. so often we say, oh, this is the worst. This is, I mean, look at all the things that are going on. I know. I told but, her, I said, don't let us adults get you down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Don't Watch let us change your parts. positive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but really, and we think we think about this in terms of gratitude, when I look around and I think about the people that are working from home now that is making their lives significantly better, and there are a lot of them, uh, when I think about the fact that you can't buy a used boat anymore and all of the motorhomes are bought because people are doing things with their families now that they've never done before, and uh, it, it literally is changing the way we think of things, and people are adapting. I mean, we are a resilient society, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but the ones we, and, and, and that includes first responders. That includes you guys. You are adapting. You are doing what you need to do. You're not watching those movies anymore. You're shifting to things that re-engage the positive side. But, but I will tell you, we've got to give you more tools than we've given you. Uh, because, uh, these individuals who are just facing what life is giving all of us now, and then you add to that the life of a first responder, um, there's not enough tools out there for you guys. There's not enough awareness and understanding of what's happening in that brain to say, this is the science of what's going on. This isn't the kumbaya element of it. This is the science of what's going on. So if you want to re-engage that portion of your brain, this is what you need to do. If you want to be able to maintain relationships where you're not, uh, where you're not in that hyper startle of you say something to me and I'm going to, I'm going to overreact because I'm in protective mode. I'm in hyper-startle mode. And then all of a sudden it turns into a, into a huge fight. You recognize how you have the opportunity to bring that down. We got to give you those tools. We have to. That's and never so happened in with giving, me. I've no, never, never, I've never overreacted. That's never happened. I know it. <laughs> you guys, it happened with me the other day. I came back from a police course and I walked outside and I was sitting with my husband and he said something to me and I turned and looked at him like, how dare you? I, I just can't even believe you said that. I got up, I walked out, I missed a whole enjoyable evening because I was so exhausted and so just in that mode, you know, and, uh, and I thought to myself, boy, there it is. That's mm-hmm. it. And that's what starts it. And if we're never out of that mode, imagine how fast that runs. So how did you, you recover know? that? Or did you, you know just what? call it a loss and go to bed? <laughs> I did. I did. I called it off and went to bed. And I recognized, Brenda, you're you're just, you're, you know, heal or heal thyself. You go around teaching these things and you're using none of them. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, that's, that's the key. It's really nice to say these things, but you have to begin practicing them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. You know, I got up the next morning and I explained. I, I started with, with gratitude, not, not anything. I just thought to myself, boy, I am so... I'm just so thankful for the things that I had the opportunity to go to bed last night when I wanted to. And then, and then I got up and I just apologized and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm in, I'm in that mode and I just didn't realize what was going on until I stopped to think about it. Good for you. And so that's that's the re-engaging. That is the re-engaging the other side of the human side of the brain, you know, the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex to say, I need an emotional side. Um, and, and, you know, see the, the watching of that movie with your son, that engaged the emotional side, not that it was a good, in a good way, right. but it showed you that that portion of the brain is kind of, kind of, or was that Dan that said that? That was, that was but Dan. Was it? Okay. So, but it reengaged that emotional side of the brain. And then of course the question is, what the, what the crap is going on here, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, I am, I'm right there with you. That's an awareness 
that that portion of the brain is uh, somewhat diminished and the level to which it's diminished is going to be different for everyone. But the more we leave it diminished, the brain has this amazing way of absolutely atrophying what it doesn't use. So the more that portion of the brain is not used, the more active the hyperstartle portion of the brain becomes. You know, Doc, the one thing that I was kind of struck by was, uh, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good now with the COVID stuff. Like we've got an understanding of how to go through our day and, you know, we're, 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 we're managing. It's not fun, but we're, we're doing okay. And then, right. you know, uh, social unrest, I've got a, a black son that we've adopted. And so we're dealing with a lot of stuff there. And then I've right. got a, uh, uh, I've, I've got friends that, you know, that are going through their thing. We've had some family health issues, you know, and then, and then you throw this, uh, wildfire stuff on and it. it for me, it was like, okay, wildfire season's here, you know, and it's usually, and we, we, we deal with it every year. It's not like it's, you know, this is, right. a, you know, something new to us, but this, this event that happened yeah. was like nothing that's ever happened before. It yeah. was, you know, on the Absolutely. highest end of, you know, the worst yeah. of our, uh, recorded, uh, wildfire years. And yeah. the, the thing that completely took it out of me was the smoke in the air. It was, too. it was yeah. the last yeah. thing that like, I can't go outside. I can't go for a run. I can't. Yeah. My kids can't get energy out. They're stuck inside all yep. day long. And yep. I can't even take my trash out without having to put a mask on because I'm going to be coughing so much. Yes. Like, yeah, it was just, it was too much. And, and, I was uh, right there yeah. I yeah. Get that. and then the weird thing yeah. was it rained. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh good. We're back to just COVID. Right. Like yeah. that's okay. Like, now. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, it's just a pandemic. Wow, it's yeah. just not good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of yeah, provided but... some perspective in a in a way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it definitely has. But oh my goodness, like yeah. for a while there, it, it. I think our brains in the Northwest are completely adjusted to dark, dreary days because of the rain, and you know, for a few yeah. months out of the year, we're we're used to yeah. that, and we actually some people actually really enjoy the rain and they look forward to it. Um, right. But the smoke, holy oh, cow! Yeah. It was it like was a game yeah. changer for me. Yeah, it was um, the most depressing, yeah. like seasonal thing yeah. I've ever dealt with. Yeah, by far. Yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah, I mean, I, the poison you know, in the air that you're breathing too. Right. I mean, it makes yeah. you fatigued, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's tough. So anyway, so I was taught early on. I don't know if it was my mom that said this, but she said like, when you're born, you're you're born with this 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 window that is completely clear. You can see through that, no problem. And as you get older, people just start throwing stuff at it. You get these poop bombs on it. You get smeared with grease, and your vision just starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And she would say, you need to wash your window. And what that means is I need to do something to 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 get rid of that shit that's on my window. And so yeah. I try to tell this to my kids, you know, because that's what Grandma said. And they yep. have, they, you know, I, I don't know if I've just did a bad job raising them because, uh, I have really no filter at home. <laughs> Steve is, Steve is not, I'm <laughs> wincing. Oh, I'm so sorry, Steve. Steve is wincing. <laughs> how do we talk to, how would a normal person talk to their kids during this time and, and let them know that, you know, this, what, these are the strategies you as a, a young person need to do. And what can I do as a parent to, to let them know that it's going to be okay. Because my parents, I mean, through the darkest times, I had no idea because they shielded us from that and everything yeah. was good. So what can yeah. I do to, to you know, so these kids know, you know, they're schooling from home and my daughter's a teacher and she's teaching through a computer. And, and so how do I make it for them that it's going to be all right? Yeah. You know, I, I think this, these are these are the resiliency factors that we're missing in a lot of cases for a lot of kids today. However, um, your kids now are the children who um, have been through. I mean, this is a lot. Not being able to go out, not being able to be with their friends, not missing junior year stuff, missing senior jobs, closing down. And I mean, this is a whole a whole concept of, okay, how do we build resiliency in a time where that's not going to be an easy thing to do? And so this is what builds coping capacity. And uh, and I, I watch so often where parents try, you know, there's been so many studies done of kids and resiliency and what builds that resiliency in them. 
the element of allowing your kids to experience challenge and, and finding ways through it through support of the parents is exactly what, uh, is exactly what builds that resiliency. The helicopter parents that we're seeing now is doing nothing for our kids. The, uh, the safe rooms, I mean, I think are, uh, a wonderful idea for talking about things. It's a safe room to come and talk about, but not to placate concepts of, oh, the world is just challenging. You're okay. Use your, this is to build capacity. Kids need to know there's going to be challenge in life. What are you going to do with it? The tools that we provide for you are the exact same, same tools. Our peer support process, in other words, to be able to, a senior to be able to call another senior or a, a kid who's trying to apply for work to be able to call a friend and say, hey, have you heard anything that's open? What are the resources that you're using? That's what builds capacity. I think one of the greatest challenges that we're facing right now is fatigue. And, and Holly mentioned it just a minute ago, is that people get to a point where they're so exhausted from the from from the from the lack of being able to do what they want to do that they just quit trying. And that's when the spiral starts. That's when the depression kicks in. That's when the feeling of lack of control kicks in. That's when all of that starts to impact us so negatively. So what we need to do for kids, what we need to do for ourselves, is to help them identify how do I regain control. Such as if I need to work out um, if I need to work out that, that activity during the day and I can't get outside, what are my resources? Are there indoor facilities where I can go? And I know a lot of the gyms have been, cl- uh, been closed. I know, but online, you know, CrossFit, online exercise programs or online yoga or meditation. And I know we're now going to Warriors Meditation, which is doing amazing things for our military members, but also for our first responders. And all that stuff is available, but we have to be, we have to be resilient enough to not let the fatigue get hold of us and say, I'm just sitting down and watching a movie because that perpetuates itself. Mm -hmm. This is what we call building capacity to handle whatever life throws our way because Lord knows, who knows, you know, the next moment. And, uh, and we've got to look for those things that are going to make us feel more in control. And open that door just a little bit to hope so that as I begin to walk through it, now what I see is opportunity. And the opportunity that you begin to see are things like, hey, I can start my friend group and we can start competing online on exercises um, that we can say, okay, how many, you know, how many squats did you, you know, just the, the elements of we've got to start something. That's what builds the resiliency in this. So letting our kids stop and just say, okay, we've got no control over this. We're just going to, we, we can't do anything. That's what lends itself to fatigue and the lack mm-hmm. of capacity to, to handle what life throws our way. Build that capacity. Build that resiliency through the conversations of hope. What do you need to start so your friends? And that goes back to service, and that goes back to gratitude, and it goes back to habits. All of those things are what makes a difference. Oh, thank you. That was awesome. a great response. It was. Well, I'm, I'm over here, like, judging everything I've ever done. Oh, no, me too. Right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. i got to make some phone calls. i got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, One thing I'll that's kind of fun, a, and it's difficult as a parent, too, is if, you know, your, your kids come to you with a problem, and it's like, well, how are you going to deal with that? And they come up with a solution that you know isn't going to work. You gotta let them try yeah. it. So it, it is You've hard to, to to watch our kids fail when we know that's what's going to happen. But yep. like you said, that's part of um, giving them that opportunity to make their own decisions and fail and build that, and then yes. yeah, build that resiliency up and try again. But Holly, half the brain, half the portion of this is the brain thinking about the possibilities of it, and if we completely shut that down. You know, nine times out of ten, it's so funny because I had this conversation with my husband the other day. I mentioned something that I love to do to the house, like taking a bunch of the plants from the front of the house to the back of the house. And the first thing he did was say, you know what, that's not a good idea. That's more stuff, you know, that's more. You know, and I thought, and I said to him, why not just say, wow, that sounds interesting. <laughs> you know, because my brain is working at creativity, right? My brain yeah. is working at that, hey. I need to think about this. And I turned and I said, you know what? 
there's a really good chance I would never do that because there's no time for it. But just the fact that you shut it down immediately absolutely makes me want to do it. You can and see so, both of yes. their faces right now. They're both <laughs> laughing hysterically because I can tell you've had the same conversation oh, with your yeah, wife. Oh, just yesterday. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I don't think that's just men. I think it's women. I do the same oh, thing to him yes. all the time. Yep. Brenda, I'm going to do this. Well, that's ridiculous. Don't you know, why would you do that? You know, Jenna wants um, another so, succulent plant, and it's like, well, yes, let's just bring it home to our house to die. <laughs> yes, I know it. I know it. I'm, my first plant is living, and I keep sending pictures of it to, to people saying, um, "saying Hey, look what I'm doing! Look at this! I'm I'm growing life! <laughs> I'm so thrilled!" So you got to try. You know, you got to let that that start because the excitement of bringing that home and thinking, okay. And then, okay, what did I do wrong with it? It's another analytical process we need to go through, you know? So that is that is so funny. But we all do it. And again, I go back to this, you guys, because it is so important for us to realize that what we're doing is we're reengaging the human side of the brain. And every time that is shut down, our brain naturally goes to to protective, to survival, right? That's what our whole brains were built for. So we think, why am I so negative in life? Well, you're so negative because your brain is trying to protect you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that is a natural thing for us to do. <laughs> Dan's what? brain tries really hard <laughs> all day long. <laughs> I know it. I, I tell people all the time, you know, you, you, you walk in and your buddy says, hey, I heard, I heard the chief talking about you yesterday. Oh, yeah, what did he say? Well, I didn't hear what he said. I just heard your name. <laughs> Our natural, you, you think about that. Our natural response is, oh, he's t- talking about how good I was at the whatever it is. No, that's not it. Now we start <laughs> thinking about everything we've screwed up, right? Everything that has gone bad. That is the natural tendency of our brain. So we can be prepared to respond to whatever might come up. And so we have to do things that reengage that other side of the brain for us to maintain that human and and that human element and not become so fatigued that we just can't get to it. Mm-hmm. Right? We just can't do it. Can you repeat those things again um just for all of us uh that how to reengage that side of the brain. You were saying gratitude, service. Oh, absolutely. Gratitude, service, habit, believe habit. it or not. Mm-hmm. You think about this in our class we talk a lot about the element of um if if things are going wrong in those in those eight characteristics of, you know, wellness, um, just pick a, li- a small habit that can, can literally um, make, your, make you think to yourself, I'm in control of this. Because whether it's, um, you know, starting the coffee maker for your spouse before you leave in the morning and leaving a small note that says, I hope your day's great. Now, all of a sudden, that relationship element is reengaged in the brain and you think, okay, that's good. Or finances. If, if you... The more we procrastinate, the more we wait on that stuff, the worse it gets. But we still do it, you know. So set yourself up a budget. Find the method by which there are a million. The Mint uh, app online can get your budget just, you know, you can check it every single morning and say, okay, we're within limits or we're not. But you feel so in control of what's going on. So tweaking those habits just a little bit. To, uh, uh, to make sure that you feel in control of what's going on in those eight, those characteristics of wellness. And then, uh, other things, just education is a huge thing. Things like this podcast. Look for more podcasts. Mm-hmm. Look for more information Listen about to all of our podcasts. Yes. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Listen to every one of these and engage in what reactivates that human side of the brain. Look for ways mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, so there are, there are so many things that you can do um, that will re-engage the human side of the brain. And that's, and that's what we're trying to do to get people back to the point that they don't feel so overwhelmed and fatigued that they can't do the things they need to do to, to get themselves where they want to go. That's awesome. Well, so Brenda, Brenda, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much again for coming on again. We're super excited to have you, and we always... Man, we just learned a ton. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Um, but let's leave it there, and we'll uh, we'll have you on again. We want to talk about some uh, maybe some resiliency stuff uh, down the road. Love it. Uh, for love that. One, but... Love that. You guys, thanks so much, and I look forward to talking to you again. All yeah, right. absolutely. We'll see ya. All right, Bye. Brenda. See you guys soon. All right, All right. bye guys. Bye bye.